2: Jake, you got a prediction for tonight?
1: No, no, man, uh, no way. I mean, it's looking good for the Nationals. I'll tell you that, though. You know, with uh, with the road team winning every game, road team winning
2: every game, right?
1: And but you know, it's I I can't know what is going to be like tonight, coming off this back spasms. He could be good for two innings and then you know balk up and and it's over. So it, it it's just not a it's not a no situation. I don't expect Greinke to be super dominant. I expect there to be some offense, but I think it's a total toss-up given the unknowable factor of uh, Skrzer.
3: Man, if we see Annabelle Sanchez tonight, they in trouble. That's all I will say.
1: Definitely. I, anything could happen. It's been an amazing series, but what's interesting about this series is each game has kind of gone in one direction you know, mm-hmm. for the most part. Yes, somebody took an early lead, but I mean, Houston dominated them in Washington, but they weird, series. but Washington's dominated them in Houston. So just a weird series. It's, it, it, it's so wild, man. And I, I just don't know, man. It's exciting. I like both of these teams. It couldn't have been any better. Really? It's mm-hmm. a game seven. I man. You always want a game seven. Right? That's true. Yep. That's the dream in any final. That is right. So, I, I mean, I love both of these teams. They're really good. Really good baseball.
2: Just tied going into the ninth inning.
1: I'll take that, man. I'll definitely take that. (laughs) I'll tell anything to extend the season (laughs) by 15 minutes. But, yes, 15 (laughs) inning, like four to four situation. Oh, man. Beautiful. Garrett Cole coming out in the 11th.
2: He's no Madison Bumgarner.
1: Steven Strasburg. Doing an inning in the 13th. No 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 son no no I've fucking been there. Maze you better fire it up dude drive your fucking walleybird The whole world is in the power of the evil one the devil and the media that he uses to control the world is television
2: about television that captures our imaginations. I'm your host, Anthony Mays, and I'm joined by Jake Hoy, Eden Liu, Anthony Canton III, and Walter Mays. This week, we're holding dress rehearsals and hard-boiling eggs with the second episode of Watchmen, Marshall Feats of Comanche Horseship, which is a reference to the George Catlin painting in Judd's office. Huh. which is a flip-flop of the title. It's just Comanche feats of horsemanship. Before we kick it off, easily the biggest omission from last podcast is not mentioning Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, who composed an amazing score for this show. It really fits the mood. It adds a lot. I'm. Um, it's such a crucial part. You know, we, we went from the great piano of succession into this synthy- wasteland of watchmen (laughs) and it's really fantastic before we dive into the plot jake i want to kick it to you second episode Mm. how are we picking up from the pilot which was very strong what are we set up for for the season what are your your thoughts so far
1: oh man good question um you know because i think i'm the maybe Eden and I are the most sort of uninformed viewers, meaning we're, we're coming to this solely as a, as a television experience. Yep. And, you know, I really dug it. We took a step back from the kind of fast pacing of the pilot and this, um, and we got sort of more steadily engaged in the world, if you will. And, um, you know, I, I mean, I'm I'm at a loss, though, in terms of like predicting things, because I'm still trying to get my bearings on how this world works, especially Ozymandias, because that scene with him was so tremendous. Mm-hmm. And I was really trying to I'll tell you what I was trying to wrap my mind around was the horse riding scene when he grabs the tomato, takes a bite and then squeezes yeah. it. You know, I'm trying to, like, extract all meanings, right? Because yeah. one of the most compelling things, obviously, was learning about Will, um, learning that he's her grandfather, uh, learning that you can go... Because the whole time I'm wondering, where's she getting this DNA test done, right? <laughs> and then she goes and gets it done at the museum with Henry Louis Gates talking her through it through a teleprompter. Uh, so... All of that was fantastic, but Will and Louis Gossett Jr.'s performance of him was tremendous. But all these kinds of things he was saying to her, quite literally, were coming true Um, down to (laughs) the friends in high places at the end, which was a shocking kind of scene and in which he seemed to be laughing at her. So, you know, I'm still catching my breath. But kind of enjoyed the slower pace of it all, and to be honest with you, dude, I didn't know this was a limited series event, so that made me super optimistic. Oh, really? About yeah, I, I didn't know I, that either. I, you didn't know either, right? We hadn't discussed it at all, and I didn't know. I I just assumed you knew. But everything I've read that's generally about it this week, I don't. I try not to read anything about it. Um, because everybody wants to talk about its relationship to the comic. And everything I saw is sort of affirming that this is a this is it. one series that's it's over. AEC, had you not heard that?
3: Um well, just as you said that, I went and just took a quick, quick uh, research. So at least right now it's it's a nine episode uh, series at this point. Um, no decision has been made. As to whether it continues, uh, we should. That's uh, TBD.
1: But but at Lindelof, I think his expectation yeah. is he's he's writing to an endpoint, which is a really good thing.
2: Yeah. yeah. Well, that that makes sense. I'm a, I'm a little bummed, I guess, because there's a couple things that occurred to me in the last week uh, on my trip to Cabo. I crack the book open again and i am 40 percent of the way through dad i know you did the whole thing right right i have read the whole book again and a couple things stood out to me and one of them is just how similar the structure of this show is going to be to the structure of the graphic novel and like my dad said last week going backwards in time filling in gaps filling in history The graphic novel alternates between the comic and excerpts from the original Night Owl's book, autobiography, and a few other, like another textbook or something that talks about Dr. Manhattan. So it breaks it up into different styles, and it really does an amazing job of backfilling the world. So, Jake, that's one of the things you're saying that is maybe the most overwhelming to you currently. And I feel like they're doing a great job so far of not just giving you stuff from the book, but also Mm -hmm. extending it a little bit into theorizing and then also, Filling in 2019 stuff, which obviously had nothing to do with the graphic novel.
1: Anytime you enter a show like this, because I, I saw the first season of Game of Thrones and then read all of the books before season two happened. And there's a part of me that wishes I hadn't done that, so everything would be a surprise. But yeah, I was really enjoying the books. And obviously, Watchmen wouldn't take that long to read, but they have to do this in a way that satisfies the rookie. to the Watchmen experience. And I want to enjoy it for that. And they're doing a great job. I want to be disoriented. I want to be guessing. I want to not start evaluating their choices based on the graphic novel.
2: And I like how this podcast is going to kind of encapsulate a variety of reactions and I hope that by me and my dad combing through every Easter egg, we're not spoiling too much of that
1: experience for you. No, I don't mind learning about it in retrospect. Yeah. You know? Yeah.
4: Anthony, are are you reading the PDpedia? Which one's that? HBO has uh, a little website called the PDpedia, which is supplemental information and documents. Uh, that-
2: is that the website? Yeah. I, we, we sent that into the group chat i haven't hit that one yet that's probably something that i gotta do going forward
4: yeah and they're they're releasing about four four documents a week and uh it's background texture uh a lot of stuff that explains uh uh the keen act and the reparations and it just it's very smart very smartly done because so much of the watchman experience with the original graphic novel was moving from the paneled full color world of the comic book to these interstitial, now you gotta read a whole bunch of text section and then go on. And I can remember, I think the first time I did it, I skipped all the interstitial stuff and just read the comics. And then I was so taken by it that I went back were back and I read all the stuff. And I mean like I've said in you know the last the last thirty years I probably read this thing, you know, 20 times. <laughs> but But it was really fascinating checking through all the PDPedia stuff uh, today when I found out what it was.
1: That's one of those areas I've been aware of, but it's—I think—that's something you need to be informed by the history to properly enjoy. Yeah, all right, Walter.
4: Well, you're gonna one of the documents that you're gonna read is you're going to read the obituary for Judd. And the obituary goes into his family and who all uh, – and who the mm. photograph in his closet of him and his dad and all that stuff. So you're just going to get a little bit more texture because they they went out of their way in this last one to put a giant question mark over Judd so that – I mean I don't even want to predict. I just want to see how they're going to do it. I want to see yeah. what the hell this is going to turn out to be because this is
1: happening. So that caught you uh... – as much by surprise as it did me,
4: absolutely, absolutely. Okay.
1: Is Judd is Judd in the uh, the the comics? No, no he's okay.
4: original, he's original to this series.
1: Okay.
2: The only characters that have connections to the graphic novel are Doctor Manhattan, TBD mm-hmm. on his appearance. If it is a limited series, then I would definitely expect one important Mm -hmm. Dr. Manhattan moment Osmandius, Jeremy Irons' character and then we still haven't met Gene Smart who is Mm. Laurie Blake who is the Silk Spectre Mm -hmm. who is dating Dr. Manhattan in the graphic novel
1: and what about the character we met in the show
4: put in justice and he's part of the background of the Watchmen comics. In the flashbacks, uh-huh. we get, a, we get um, information about him. And he also appears in the interstitial sequences when Hollis is writing his autobiography Under the Hood.
1: Okay. I got to tell you, I love that scene. That was even more violent than uh, the ending of uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood.
4: Isn't that funny? You flashed on that too. It was the repeated (laughs) smashing the head, wasn't it? (laughs) Yes, totally. Gotta drive the point home.
1: This is like... Tarantino level enjoyment of violence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah.
4: And it's it was it was 100% an homage or a slap in the face to Zack Snyder depending on how you want to look at what they did, but it literally looked like it could have come out of The Watchmen movie. It was that okay. bright and the the slow-mo, yeah. fast-mo and I was I was totally captivated by it. It was great because it's a trashy uh tv show that's sort yeah. of like like a cross between something you'd see on the history channel and something like american crime story and it's just that it needed yeah. to have that element to it that was great
1: yeah i thought it was terrific
2: yeah shots fired at Zack snyder and at ryan murphy you're in the crosshairs right
1: i mean the show within a show is very much in the spirit of the graphic novel as well as I understand it. Right. You
4: betcha. You
2: betcha.
1: It gets to the whole meta aspect of everything.
4: And it is, it is the, the, the story that they are showing is directly out of the original Watchmen. When you're reading the autobiography of the original mm-hmm. uh, night out, Ow- night Owl? Uh, yeah. Night out under, the, under the hood. Yeah.
2: Which was sitting on Judd's desk in episode one.
4: Right. Right. Right.
1: Oh, okay.
2: The similarities and the the symmetry is more and more apparent the deeper I get into the graphic novel again and the deeper we get into this show. But let's just jump right in and start breaking this down. So we've got another deep flashback opening scene where in Germany during World War I, Fraulein Mueller, a typist who knows English, is recruited by an officer to write a letter to the African-American soldiers that becomes the back of the note that will reeves carries with him his whole life we get clarity that it is definitely the young boy and not the baby but baby revelation tbd
4: right right but <laughs> but anthony that letter is an is word for word an actual document propaganda document that the germans used during world war 1 it's a real thing.
2: Yes, that is that is an Easter egg right there.
1: Love that moment. Hey, boys. <laughs> 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 that performance was so great.
2: So we get Will's perspective immediately before Angela rolled up on him at the end of last episode. She takes him to her bakery and handcuffs him, searches him, removes pills, and the note makes a cup of coffee goes in her lair screams in despair and changes into her true face sister night and so we'll be coming back to this theme of the true face which is addressed multiple times in this episode and repeatedly in the graphic novel that people feel more comfortable as the mass vigilante than they do as the person will comments on this and says you changed Will claims he murdered Judd and that he has psychic powers. They discuss Dr. Manhattan. Then Will claims Judd has skeletons in his closet, and there is a vast and insidious conspiracy at play here in Tulsa. So that appears to be our driving mystery of the show. And one of my kind of off-camera questions was, like, why Tulsa, right? Like, we get the the riots— Mm -hmm. And it it's a good location for the race element of the show, but Watchmen was set in New York, and it was very much about being hyper urban. Mm
1: -hmm. And Hmm.
2: to kind of suburbanize it is an interesting choice. Mm -hmm. And I wonder, Dad, is that what do we know what New York looks like right now? Is it
4: back? Do you think? Oh, uh, yes, New York. It's thirty years later. I'm sure New York has been built back up. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Oh, I hadn't considered that as not being having only that general awareness of what happened in the novel. I assumed this suburban setting was better for the theme.
4: Yeah, I think he's got some he's got some deep he needed to go to the heartland in order to be able to do yeah. something about what he wants to say about America in this.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh. Right. And I think it works. It's just curious to make Tulsa the hub of a vast insidious conspiracy. But I guess we'll find out what the nature of that is. Angela gets paged about Judd's death. I love Regina King's delivery here when she's faking surprise at Mm. the news. Mm. She leaves Will and takes his coffee cup for DNA. Just a great scene here between two powerhouse actors. Like you were saying, Jake, (laughs) Louis Gossett Jr. is playing Will Man, so many questions about what's going on with this guy. So
1: many questions.
0: I mean all the way through to the end of the episode, like even more questions.
4: Correct, and the buzz online about um who he really is, which I don't I don't buy. I think people are barking up the wrong tree, but um mm. the buzz online is that he is Hooded Justice. Yeah.
2: That's kind of what they were that's what this episode was
4: pointing you towards. Oh, yeah. okay.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think I made that connection. Yeah, I didn't well, even make all that connection.
4: Have, all you have to do is look at the close-up of Hooded Justice in, in the TV th- in the TV thing, and you can see it. Well, of course, we're not seeing the real Hooded Justice, so never mind. I could be totally wrong. But Hooded Justice is being played by Cheyenne Jackson, who is not an actor of color. So right. I'm, just, I'm, thinking yeah. I'm thinking it's just a little red herring, and they want us— I don't know. It's a solid Mr. X. They
0: do love their Mr. X HBO. Oh,
4: yeah.
2: It's food for the the overeager.
1: Totally. He does have some kind of abilities, though.
4: Or he's just super duper smart, you know? Right, right. Because yeah. he's existed for such a long time. I mean, obviously, he got out of the handcuffs, went across the street, got the eggs, came back and boiled right. Them. Right. Yeah. Also, <laughs> also, he seems to be impervious to temperature because right. he drinks the hot coffee and he sticks his hand. Yeah, into the- I right. noticed that for the egg. Right. right. So that's
1: something- what I meant. Yeah.
4: Maybe it's just nerve damage. Yeah.
1: Right. It Could be yeah, yeah, old yeah. age. You can't feel your things in your extremities anymore.
4: Right. <laughs> but he's there to tell her of who she was and where she comes from. Yeah. So I'm sure we're going to find <laughs> out. You know.
2: Yeah. Eden, do you think? That he killed Judd, or do you think he had help? I
0: don't think he killed Judd. I think he definitely had help. Um, just because it's one thing to stick your hand in a pot of boiling water. And we do see later that, I mean, I feel like his disability is real. Because um, Angela has to like help him up at one point. Right. And so it's like, if you're, you really can only do so much as like, a hundred-year-old dude that's like in a wheelchair, and I mean, he doesn't have to climb stairs to hang someone from a tree, but like, it's still pretty improbable.
4: And I, I, I like the, I like the very specific language that he uses because he says it three times. He doesn't say I killed him. He says I'm the one who strung up your chief. That's of police. right.
1: Yeah, mm. that's right. Which is, and if again with the literal stuff he was saying, he's
0: been pretty literal that, the whole time. If he
1: killed him, he would have said I killed him. Yeah, I mean, it's possible he just found him. Yeah, after he was killed, doesn't know who killed him, but strung him up to make True. the statement. I mean, that's what was playing in my mind because it's too obvious. Yeah, well, we're, that right,
4: we're in the hands of some really, really confident storytellers. So I'm sure well, we'll, that's how we'll, it feels. We're going yeah. to
3: answer. I'm sure we will. Yeah, that was the one thing that stuck out to me about this episode. I don't know if y'all remember when we were discussing True Detective and how it felt like the story wasn't going anywhere, even though they tried to make it a story driven. Oh yeah, we show. remember. This, I mean, the difference, the stark difference between that and this is like very apparent off the bat. Like episode one gives you like all the pomp and circumstance and gives you all that the action and stuff like that. Ah, uh, two still gives you some of that, but I think it gave you a story without giving you the whole thing, but not making you feel like you're wasting your time It's like, it gets, it was a good point, point B to point C episode where we get some back stuff, love the flashbacks and things like that. And I really felt like they're doing a really good job of laying things out for us without giving us everything. Yeah. At once.
0: I, yeah. I agree with that point, especially on the point that like with true detective, it felt so much that everything was a misdirect. None of it was really, constructive Mm -hmm. to where the story was going which later we found out was true so but like this feels like everything is very deliberate um and it's all by design so it's like you never feel like it's just a wasted second of screen Uh time
4: Absolutely. Y'all are talking about the second season of True Detective, right? Actually, oh, no, we're talking about the third. we're the no, talking about season. After, after, after that second season, there's no way in hell I would watch a third season. So <laughs> We
0: we got suckered into the maybe we the did. third season will be better. Oh, <laughs>
1: you fool. <laughs> mindset. It was Mahashala. Yeah. Ma'am, Ali, Urshula, thank so, you. Well, I
4: remember listening to you guys and listening to your despair and your voices. as you yeah. were driving it. well,
1: I, I, It's us. funny though. I, I couldn't help but think of true detective a couple of times. Um, AC. So, it, it, but you're right. It's just everything. There's also just a, there's a brightness to this show. That's really, that's really cool.
2: Yep. Yeah. Let me tell you something else. All right. Yes. You
4: tell me something else. son.
1: I've seen a
2: lot of spinals, dude. And this guy is a fake. A fucking gold bricker. This guy fucking walks. I've never been more certain
4: of anything in my life. Okay, I will. I will take your word for it, and I will. I will literally scream, "Anthony, you're right!" When Gossett stands up out of the wheelchair. I think that the
2: comedian would be the Walter Sobchak of the the Watchmen universe. Let's put it that way.
4: You <laughs> fucking phony dude, pretending to be a fucking millionaire. Out of this house now, you bums! Let me tell you something else. I've seen a lot of spinals, dude. And this guy's a fake, a fucking breaker. Stay away from me, Mister. This guy fucking walks. I've never been more certain than anything in my life. You stay away from me, Walter. I'm you never get been been more certain of anything in my fucking life. Get come get away from life. Get come get away on, come on. <laughs> put him down, man. Yeah, I'll put him down, dude. Oh. Oh. Up to him. Get oh. They're building lots of little parallels, so that's going to be fun to see if it all goes the way we think it's going. So. So there's an important scene here.
2: That's just kind of an interstitial with the man running the newsstand. Oh, I love this. Yeah. Which is a clear callback to the graphic novel.
1: And one of the great actors in The Wire.
2: Robert Wisdom, a.k.a. Bunny Colvin. Yeah, that was a great appearance. Last scene, rotting away on ballers, but the HBO recycling program is in full effect once again.
1: Amsterdam.
2: So it appears the new Frontiersman is printed on newsprint now. And we learn from a couple of the headlines that the reigning squids appear to be a somewhat new, growing more widespread, unexplained development. It doesn't seem that it's been happening constantly, and they still kind of don't have a handle on it. We've got a young girl in a beret and glasses getting out of a nice car to pick up newspapers for someone, maybe her mother, curious as to who this is, and I'm sure this character will come back.
4: Right, and yeah. she and she reads... The Nova Express, which is the lefty corollary to the New Frontiersman. So, my, and that hasn't come yet. It's a, he says the Nova Express isn't here. So, and did the girl oh, look? Okay. Asian? Did the girl look Asian to you? Kind of looked half
2: Asian. Eden, final ruling.
0: Definitely a little bit. Definitely <laughs> a little bit. A
2: big, there's a big female Asian character coming. Okay, all right. Yep. I'm here for it. Here yep. for it.
1: to. Yep. <laughs> It's definitely exotic looking.
2: So yeah, so just this moment with the the newsstand. There's lots of times where we're just hanging out at a newsstand in Watchmen while a kid reads a, a pirate comic book, and it's kind of bouncing between those things. And there's lots of stuff happening in the background.
4: I did want to make note of the music cue going out of Angela and Will and into the newsstand. It's the the Great Temptation song, Ball of Confusion, and it was yes. used oh. so beautifully.
1: Yes. Yes, it was.
2: People moving out, people moving in. Why? Because of the color of the skin. Run, run, run,
1: that but you sure can't show. hide.
4: And it seems nobody's interested in learning, but the teacher. teacher.
0: Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, activation, diminishing, activation
2: to our nation. That's what the world is today. So we've got Sister Knight speaking with Looking Glass at the crime scene. The Rorschach vibes are increasing by the second. Looking Glass is always hungry, he's always eating garbage and rolling up his mask just above his nose to eat. Just like Rorschach.
1: Gross.
2: He questions her about the previous night and she casually mentions Don Johnson's cocaine usage.
1: Yeah, we got confirmation on the cocaine.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Even though we agree that it didn't really feel like coke. <laughs> Slightly taboo, but also known. It's it's still in this kind of interesting nexus. He was with him last night. What? The chief. When I called Jane to notify, she said that they were over at y'all's house for supper. Yeah. Was he acting strange? What do you mean? You know what strange means. Mm -hmm. Was he drunk? No. A couple glasses of wine, maybe. Was he high? He might have done some blow.
4: Sounds like quite a party.
3: My kids were there.
4: Your kids.
3: Fuck you, you shiny fuck. What, are you interrogating me now?
2: Why would I interrogate you? you're cold motherfucker
1: glass. Then
4: why am I crying under here? That was a really tense scene between the two of them. There's just when when he throws that line, your kids at her. It was like, whoa, yeah, Yeah. that
0: I was like, oof, that was a little bit of below the belt.
4: They're interrupted abruptly by
2: a winged paparazzo crashing into Angela's car. Seems to be some sort of (laughs) variation on Mothman technology with the wings. Yep. Yep. He's one of the heroes from the Minutemen in the 40s. We might get a American hero story on him. Then Red Scare comments on the power vacuum created by Judd's death and how there's, you know, several lieutenants running around without orders currently kind of doing their own thing. I mean, it seems like seems like Angela kind of always does her own thing. Yeah. Same with Wade now. He's and uh, and Red Scare. They're all kind of unchecked. Then we get a flashback to the White Knight which is midnight on Christmas Eve when the 7th Cavalry attacked all police officers in Tulsa. Yes. It was just Tulsa, right? That's what we're led to believe, yes, that it was a Tulsa-related thing. So they kill many of them and scare off the rest. For some reason, Judd only mentions one assailant when clearly there were two for Angela. Oh,
4: something, something I don't understand, you know. You see that gun in her face and she's going, cal cal, and then we wake up and she's in the hospital. You know,
3: yeah.
1: it's
3: like, yes, yeah. Who I immediately thought about that. Yeah.
1: With Judd.
3: And Cal was allegedly fine. He was there with right. her for a couple of days and he had sent him, he said he had sent him home for a change of clothes or whatever. Yeah. There uh, are a lot of questions there. Uh, yeah. That was a good, also a very good scene, by the
1: way. Oh, so well done. So, so somebody let her live nope. and there was no, awareness except for her that there was even a second gunman because judd describes it as you got the guy
4: yeah you, who shot him, you he bled out right? of the kitchen
1: right so it leads me to wonder if the second guy was judd
4: correct that would be the most logical thing to go after especially when you find what you find in his closet insanely suspicious moment for judd here
2: Uh, Of course, he said he's appears to be the only other one that's survived an attack. And he also says that there was one guy, another kind of parallel. If you're if we're going to be super suspicious of Judd is in the Watchmen. Osmandius arranges a hit on himself to make it himself appear less guilty. Yep. So Judd Mm -hmm. could have arranged the hit. Good point. Knowing it was coming to, you know, drive the scent away from him. I don't I don't know if he would have been the one there, but yeah, there's definitely holes in this story that will
4: have to be filled in at some point. But either way, it turns out, damn, John Johnson is good. It's the best thing Mm -hmm. I've ever seen him do.
1: Oh, actually, I've only seen him do this in Miami Vice.
4: (laughs) (laughs) He had a he had a period there where he almost became a movie star.
1: Yeah, I didn't don't think quite, I saw any of those though.
4: Didn't quite work, but <laughs> yeah, so good in this.
1: I, I can't recall what those were though.
4: <laughs> a lot of, lot of romantic comedies.
1: I, I just remember him as celeb. Yeah, I mean, like him and Melanie Griffith, right? Her weird lips.
2: So it also appears that they exchange first names for the first time in the aftermath at the hospital, and when they resolve not to quit. This, I mean, they they know who each other are. Yeah. And he's still her boss, presumably. But he's not the chief of
1: police yet. At that mm-hmm. point.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also clears the deck. Yeah, so incredible. And, and he's obviously involved one way. What way that is is still enough of a mystery. Uh, but it was interesting that, you know, this appears to be the first time that they get to know each other, and then we know how close they are, how close their families are in the, the pilot. We also get an answer to the... The white children, Mm -hmm. Angela's partner was killed and she adopted his three white children who survived by hiding in the closet. A nice explanation for for that. Yes. It's also quite sad and emotional, especially with the scene coming later with Topher. Oh, yeah. Then we go back to Nixonville in the present. Red Scare proposes raiding it, but Sister Night has reservations. And one of my favorite lines of the episode.
3: You don't want to beat shit out of these fucks? You, she loves
2: beating the shit out of these folks. That much is indisputable. <laughs> I know he was great. So, like you talked about last episode, Dad, Nixonville is a
4: trailer park with fifty-star U.S. flags. The thing that I that I don't think I mentioned last time, and I, it just depends on how good your American history is. During the the Great Depression. Um, the homeless camps all around the cities in the United States were called Hoovervilles after Herbert Hoover, who was the president when the stock market crashed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's an echo back to, but but these people are not calling them Nixon bills because of something bad Nixon did, but because when the government swan, uh, swung from being an intensely uh, conservative government to an intensely Redford liberal government, the, these these white disenfranchised people... But like went there into their places where they could honor Richard Nixon. Yeah. Ugh. I love her I love her urging caution. I love her not wanting to do it. And then of course beating the crap out of that one guy. Oh, oh yes. She has
2: yeah. she issues.
4: She has serious
2: issues.
0: <laughs> Just a little bit.
2: <laughs> Sometimes even if you don't go to the fight, the fight comes to you. Exactly.
0: Yeah, she didn't wicked. have any extra aggression that she needed to take out there or anything,
3: none at all. <laughs> I was waiting for her to stop punching the dude, right, square in the well, face, and so she just kept on going. I was like, okay, I'm with this.
4: I mean, she's so tightly wound, which I really, really admire. Going back to the scene with Will, it you, you plug in the coffee thing, you go in, you scream, you let out all your rage, you change your costume, and you come out just in time to take the coffee, and it's done. She She makes her life very ordered. It's very interesting.
2: Mm-hmm. So she goes to the Greenwood Center for Cultural Heritage, a museum created as part of Redfordations, interacts with a touch screen and submits Will's DNA. But the system isn't smart enough to know that it's not Will, which I thought was an interesting gap. It's like, oh, okay, it's a DNA test, but also you can just lie about your identity and put in whatever number. Right. Only survivors of the 1921 Tulsa Massacre and their descendants are eligible to apply at this facility. Obviously, we know how old he is, and she must already have a hunch at this point, right? Yeah. That would be my guess. She returns home to find, presumably, Grandpa Doyle waiting on the porch, and that's Jim Beaver, who played Whitney Ellsworth on Deadwood, and Lawson, the gunman on Breaking Bad, another product of the HBO recycling program. He's just lurking outside. Seems like he wants to see the kids. Yeah. Probably her dead partner's
4: Dad. Yeah, right. that'd, be, that'd be the guest. That's
0: also um, uh, Bobby Singer from Supernatural.
4: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Right.
0: Yeah. OG character.
2: All right. So the kids are playing pirates, which became the fantasy subject matter in Watchmen once masked heroes became reality. Uh, pirate and owl. Pirate and owl. Yes. The owl yeah. theme continues for Night Owl. She goes to talk to Topher. She has a super real Conversation with Topher while he's playing with a metallic, magnetic, hovering Lego set. That was pretty cool. Yeah, which have been declassified online as Magna Hatton balls.
4: Yeah,
1: apparently uh-huh. there's
4: a, apparently there's a, a a quick shot of the box that it came in that has that on there, but I couldn't find it. So, and now, it's of course Ozymandias' castle. Yes, once again, another character is building uh, a replica
2: okay. of vice palatial Very estate.
1: Interesting. So my question was this to you guys. Was this Topher elevating it or the, the toy itself has levitation Yeah, powers?
4: that's interesting. So I bet yeah. people that don't know, I bet people thought it was Topher. And I, I did. <laughs> my guess is it's the combination of Dr. Manhattan and Ozymandias' stuff, the Vite Industries stuff. I just think it's just a little innovation that they have that it's a magnetic thing.
2: Yeah, it's just a little magnetic field. That holds it together. Okay. As soon as he knocked it off of the the bottom, it, it collapsed. Right.
1: A secondary question: Is the pronunciation uh, the the name we saw on the newspaper in the premiere episode is Vite? Vite is dead, Veid. or yeah. believed to be dead. Correct. And is is Vite Mandius? Yes. yes. They're the, the same, same character. Okay. One and the same. Okay. So once we get confirmation. That irons is Ozymandias. We'll know Vite is still alive. Right. But uh, do we know why Vite is believed to be dead?
4: There's a giant uh like I said, there's a there's a, a, a obituary on the on the PDPedia, and there is a um there is a directive from the FBI about not making too big a deal about Ozymandias being dead because the cavalry blames Ozymandias for the death of Rorschach, which was all revealed in Rorschach's diary, which the cavalry is taking as gospel, and everybody else in the world has treated it as if it's garbage. So the FBI believes – and we're going to guess – I meet meet the FBI next week. But um, the FBI believes that if they say that Vite is dead, that will stir up the cavalry even more.
1: Mm. Oh. Okay. Oh,
3: man, this interesting. is interesting. There's a lot of rich so, stuff, man. So, and
1: Rorschach, so this is kind of this triumvirate of power players in Dr. Man, Ozymandias, and Rorschach. And
4: there was there was a fourth one named the comedian. There were only three masked adventurers who were allowed to work with the government after the Keene Act was passed. And the comedian uh, and Doctor Manhattan uh, did their thing. Ozymandias retired, uh, went public uh-huh. with his name, and told everybody he was Adrian Veidt. And then spent like the next uh-huh. ten years spent the next ten years merchandising Ozymandias throughout the whole Watchmen comic. There's all this. Adrian Adrian
1: I see.
4: That's why I didn't think it was weird that it was his castle, because he probably sold replicas yes. of
1: it. Yes. So fight yes. is his real name. Adrian Veidt Ozymandias is his real name. is his superhero name.
4: Yeah, Ozymandias is a character from uh, Coleridge's Kubla Khan uh, ep- epic poem. So, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I don't mind piecing all this stuff together.
2: Yeah, and then Jake Rorschach just... Did his own thing and answered to nobody. Yeah, went underground. Okay. He was the only vigilante that just continued doing exactly what he was doing before in spite of the Keen Act.
1: Okay. And answered to nobody. Okay.
2: And that's why his journal is, to the 7th Cavalry's credit, which is weird to say, actually probably (laughs) the most honest account of what actually went down. Correct. So Correct. they are actually informed. If they do believe it and everybody else thinks it's garbage, mm-hmm. right. they actually kind of know something. Them being a, a terrorist organization is an extension of Rorschach's presence in the Watchmen. Yeah. yeah. Which is a fascinating dichotomy. Right. Topher, what a hardened little child. Yeah. I'll tell you. He says, he was a policeman. Police policeman died. Die. Oh, that
0: was such a heartbreaking mm-hmm. moment.
2: And then he says... Don't worry, Angela. I'll tell the younger ones. <laughs> I
3: got this. Right. Yeah, the I way he,
0: the way he was just like, "Don't tell them yet. I'll handle it tomorrow or something." Like,
3: and then he goes, very... "He wasn't even my uncle. He wasn't even
0: yeah,
2: my
3: real uncle anyway." Yeah,
0: when ch- children wow. have to grow up fast.
3: Yeah, and
2: he's he's not very old. He's got to be like maybe like twelve or thirteen or something. So he's already
3: lived a full life. Yeah. He's, He's got the facial expressions down too, just like a yeah. dead stare. Like yeah, wow.
0: phenomenal, yeah. Usually, kids can't act that
2: well. Then he asked to watch TV. He wants to watch American Hero Story, just like everyone on Earth should want to watch <laughs> American Hero Story. Holy shit, what a great show within a show!
0: I know, right? <laughs> I want to watch it.
2: The topic this week is Hooded Justice, and there's an extreme disclaimer beforehand. It's rated X it reminds me of FX, except <laughs> it goes It went on for like 30 seconds yeah like <laughs> nip tuck back in the day yeah and well, it, they would do that or the
4: shield just an example of right. of the the redford what did they call them what did the, the news vendor call them lib lib somethings oh. uh, yeah i know and what you're talking about but yeah I don't remember. and so it's just an example of of showing us how the how the the liberal movement that is now in charge redford on his seventh uh term in the white house and how the liberal government has gone overboard in so many areas it's real hard to choose which side you think lindelof is in in all of this because he's stacking the deck on both sides the the liberal government versus the the making the making the cavalry right so often is kind of fascinating. What a fascinating thing to do. So everybody's watching in
2: the show, Topher's watching, looking glass is watching in his mask while eating. Uh just what not even a TV dinner. It just appears to be a, a aluminum tray full of slop. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> it's perfect food for for looking glass Rorschach. And then the Seventh Cavalry is is looking is watching as well. As they're building a suicide bomb. This is just, this is fucking perfect. The show within the show takes true events and adds dramatic filler, which allows Lindelof to present stories from the graphic novel, but with wiggle room for new interpretations. So Hooded Justice is maybe the most dangling mystery from Watchmen. His disappearance and what happened to him and his actual identity. It's not crucial to the plot in any way, but it is... Fascinating. We
4: see the fake dead body. Rolf Muller, who's interestingly enough, the same last name as Fraulein Muller, the type of stupid English.
2: Oh right. Well it was Mueller with an E versus Mueller with an umlaut, so I'm not totally in on that, but there is some some similarities there. Yes. There
4: are no accidents. <laughs>
2: <laughs> so hooded justice. We learn in the graphic novel is secretly gay, had a relationship with another member of the Minutemen, mysteriously disappeared around 1955, but was actually killed by Night Owl. Some believe he was this circus strongman that washed ashore, but his identity was never disclosed, so we don't know for sure. And in American Crime Story, presented like Hooded Justice dumped Mueller's body because he wanted people to believe that that was his body yeah that's something new that we didn't get from the novel that we have now he had his debut that was more mythical and then this one has more witnesses and gets wrote about in the paper and it's where he get his name it's a super violent supermarket robbery where he beats the absolute shit out of the robbers his voice sounds kind of like rorschach dad uh,
4: a little bit cheyenne jackson's really you know graveling up his voice um, and just a very, very interesting corollary, if they're going to go anywhere with this, it's knowing, as we do from the comic book, that Hooded Justice was was gay and in the closet and having an openly gay actor like Cheyenne Jackson play him, they may be going to do something with that down the road. Aww. This was one of the
2: great devices to add to this show to help explore the rich history and also fits the structure of the novel, which is to present different formats to tell history and, and backstory.
4: It's that whole thing with Angela in the car as Hooded Justice is still talking and this whole thing about uh, uh, when I look in the mirror and all the rage that I have. Oh, the face. God, that, that. Was, that was so strong and it's it's like, okay. Tremendous. Really heavy handed, but so super clear because he's mm-hmm. talking about the origin of Masked Avengers. He's talking about his origin and he's definitely talking about Angela. It's very well done.
2: He literally sounds like Rorschach. Like it kind of sounds like the Jackie Earl Haley right voice, but also he sounds like Rorschach in ethos of finding his true face with the mask. Right. That's who he really is. He was confused his whole life. Angela visits Judd's home and mourns with his wife.
4: We meet Senator Joe Keene, who's just a little pretty boy. There are only white people at their house. She is the only person of color in that house. I
3: did notice that. It freaked me out. Yeah. Which makes the next scene that much more telling. Yep. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
1: You have all the resources you need.
4: Yeah. And Senator Joe Keene Jr., um, who Jane, uh, Judd's wife, worked for her and he's a reactionary conservative so I'm just wondering oh this is just getting scarier and scarier about how dangerously white these people are Oh, it, yeah it, it really freaked me out. and again angela has some sort of suspicion because basically will has told her they're skeletons so you got to go find them mm-hmm. i knew she was faking I knew it I, she's lying there I'm waiting okay open your eyes open your <laughs> Fucking Goldbricker,
2: right? (laughs) That's right. She gets into the bedroom and she gets left alone and she immediately opens her eyes and explores Judd's closet with the help of some Night Owl style infrared specs. So it seems, Dad, like a lot of Night Owl's tech has just been turned into police tech.
4: Well, in the in the PDPedia, basically, Janie and um, whatever his name was, Night Owl guy. uh, uh, I can't remember his name. Danny, Right. Yeah, whatever. They went back out in 93 and tried to do some more crime fighting again. He was arrested and thrown into jail. And apparently the hypothesis is, is that part of his. Deal to keep his uh, to keep his sentence more manageable was he turned over a lot of his technology and so that's why there's a night owl uh, ship in the first in the first episode that's why there's night owl glasses this stuff has now been made available to law enforcement. She discovers a KKK hood and
2: this is similar to the secret closet of the comedian that Rorschach opens in one of the first chapters. Yep, easily my biggest question. From this scene and kind of from the episode, how do the KKK and the Seventh Cavalry feel about each other? Yeah, mm.
0: they do spell cavalry with a K.
2: But there's a difference here.
0: <laughs>
2: it's not the KKK k- k- Cavalry. <laughs> oh, that's
0: so
1: cool! Ah, separate oh. entities. Yeah,
0: it's like another I hadn't
1: thought about that. Yeah.
0: Because i I actually from episode one thought that the cavalry just was the KKK in that world
2: right, and that seemed that's like something that I feel like would be easier to do yeah is just to have it as a analogous replacement, but having having them both exist and having the KKK like active with that yeah. headline in last episode,
0: yeah, and she says like a clanhood, like she calls it a clanhood.
1: Yeah, you're right. Well, we know it was, we know the clan. I hadn't really considered them being two opposing entities.
2: Yeah. With the way that we're learning about how Judd is connected, if this is real, if it wasn't planted, which of course is also- Right,
1: which, which I'm open to.
2: That Angela yep. brings up to Will, then it seems like maybe the KKK is more legit and more infiltrated into the government, maybe through Keen- maybe through Don Johnson as commissioner of police. So they would want to squash a younger, more rowdy... A fucking anti everything, sex. Yeah. Well,
1: they're anti-establishment too, right? Right. right? Yeah, they're
4: they're very chaotic. I, I have not been able to find anything that is going to give me that has given me a, a substantial clue as to the meaning of Seventh Cavalry. Um, you know, was there a Sixth Cavalry? Was there a Fifth Cavalry? I yeah. can't. I can't find all of that. Um, but the thing that really sticks with me was we, again the the in the closet. We we linger on the photograph of the father and son and the father is clearly a lawman judd's dad we assume was a lawman and if you go back to the 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 wall street massacre there is this they hold on one guy in a ku klux klan outfit wearing a badge Oh. oh, right. Yes, and this, so is, now, this is true. So now I'm going, okay, there's got to be some sort of connection to the Wall Street Massacre. Maybe Judd is in the clan. Maybe this is a shrine to his dad. De- I have no idea, but oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure we're going to find out.
2: That's when we pan to the painting, which is the namesake of the episode. Then we have another uh, white horse transition to Jeremy Irons riding and picking a tomato off of a tree. Dad, is this just another
4: wild experiment <laughs> this i'm yes i'm I, that was what i got out of that was it was just adrian is just going okay let's see how tomato trees are working okay yeah. <laughs> it's like, let's see if we
0: can test this out
4: right i'm sure he's just done some sort of grafting or cloning or something and now i've got an orchard of tomatoes to grow on trees mm-hmm. but the other thing that was is the music uh, as soon as angela reacts to the Klan outfit, they cue the music of the Mozart Requiem, the Lacrimosa, which is an mm. overused musical cue in movies, but I still don't care. It was really powerful. No. And that's the music we're listening to as we're Looking as we're looking at that painting. Um, And that was a technique of how the Comanche riders used to – it was a special thing that they developed that they could hang on the side of their horses away from the way that they had – uh, just shot their, shot their weapon so that they would not get returned fire. Um, and it was a very specific, um, riding style of the Comanche. So it's a, it's a, it's a real thing that painting actually hangs in the Smithsonian. Um, we're assuming in this world, it hangs in Jud's, um, or it's a really good copy.
1: Yeah, that was cool.
4: Oh, and speaking of horses, uh, Adrian's horse is Bucephalus, and that was the name of Alexander the Great's horse.
1: Oh uh, God! Yeah, lots of Alexander okay. the Great yeah. references.
4: Oh yeah, because yeah. that's who—that's who, that's who Vite thinks he is.
1: Right, and that's the explanation of the Gordian knot.
4: Yeah, correct,
2: correct. Right, that's his old idol. Right. Then his new idol is is Ramses the Second, aka Osmandius. Right. Exactly.
1: Oh, Okay.
2: So the honeycomb cake scenario is repeating itself. The anniversary might just be an error.
1: Yeah,
4: yeah, like a glitch. Well, because he's so irritated by it. Let's just get this over with. So mad.
1: My favorite line in that whole scene was, there there are many things I would like to occur to you.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Has it it ever occurred to you, Mr. Phillips, that you are the prop? Oh, my God.
1: (laughs) Oh, fantastic.
2: We get to see a dress rehearsal for The Watchmaker's Son, complete with blue dicks and clone burning. So more HBO Full
4: Frontal Male Nudity this year, Jake.
1: Yeah. Can't stop. It ain't ain't
4: Watchmen without blue dicks. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs)
1: It's it's good to know, but it isn't HBO without (laughs) male nudity. Without frontal, yeah,
4: male nudity.
1: Amazing. Every show has to have it. Yeah. Essential. It's like they're they're just like reverse engineering all of the – sex position they did in the early seasons of <laughs> game of thrones
0: yes That's
1: women right i'm Not all
0: one hbo actor
4: you gotta you
1: That's
4: know right. all in favor of it
2: okay <laughs> so they're definitely clones this is definitely Vite, and we get a bit of dr manhattan's backstory rehashed here pretty much exactly as it is in the comic oh yeah so
1: it's basically his origin story Correct. and how he became a superpower
4: except he doesn't burn his atoms are all blasted apart and then he reappears as dr manhattan
1: right so that's kind of like a, a cruel joke on ozymandias's part to burn him alive in there
4: yeah we'll have a use for him before too long put him in the cellar okay gotcha
1: and i loved this <laughs> whole scene i thought jeremy irons was just amazing as the director of course i was wondering why the other people were wearing hoods, but that yeah. reveals itself in a neat way. And then the ultimate question is, well, if these are all clones, who did he clone?
4: Right? Who are they clones of?
1: right? Yeah. I mean that's the, I mean it's just, this episode left you with great questions all yep. around yep and 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 so there's 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 two primary questions I have coming out of that scene is who is he writing this play for? Meaning, who are they dress rehearsing to perform to? And then who are these clones of? Are these important characters that we haven't met yet? Is and is Mr. Phillips Dr. Manhattan?
4: He's not. And we had two pieces of evidence in this episode that made me, I'm going to have to go back and look at this. Will says he can't be Dr. Manhattan because Dr. Manhattan can't can't be be people. Which is a huge question. I don't remember that from the comic.
1: And I'm not saying that Dr. Manhattan is a clone. Are they clones based on Dr. Manhattan, I guess, is my question.
2: It's possible. It is possible because we haven't seen a photo of the man that became Dr. Manhattan. But how he would have gotten that DNA is questionable.
4: And Dr. Manhattan doesn't exist in time the way we understand time. Present, past, and the future are all the same to him. Slaughterhouse-Five style, Jake.
1: But I don't know where Ozymandias exists either. <laughs> <You know? laughs> <Like> I...
2: <laughs> in his own mind. <laughs> Speaking of the HBO recycling program, there's a lot here that is, and I love it all, it, this is Anthony Hopkins in Westworld. It's, it's just the Jeremy Irons edition now.
1: Yep. Yes yes
2: mastermind with uh, his own creations
1: <laughs> that's the thing because in westworld they're not dna based clones
2: no yeah they're just right Andros. they're
1: they're automatons so that that's i guess why i was thinking he could have con- reconstructed him from his own mind um at least visually
2: i think he's more interested in what dr manhattan became than the man he is but i <laughs> guess we are he is writing a play about him so it is possible
1: Right, he's obsessed with him. Clearly,
2: he closes out this scene by saying, "Nothing ends. Nothing ever ends," which
4: is a direct quote from Doctor Manhattan. It is Doctor Manhattan's last words in the Watchmen
1: comic book. To vite. right? Okay, to vait. Yeah, before yeah. he leaves okay.
4: for for good for Mars. Yep, I'm gone.
1: Right, and we had a scene on Mars.
4: Yeah, we had a we saw it on on their equivalent of CNN. We saw right. Yeah.
1: And that was where we were introduced to Ozymandias' castle as a sand castle. Correct. And so there's so there's tension there. Oh yeah. Right. There's there's conflict. If
2: Doctor Manhattan comes back to Earth, it almost certainly because of something Adrian did. <laughs> and,
4: and right before right before we go back to um to uh, Will, we've got uh, we've got Adrian prying the still. The takes a look at and keeps on ticking. Watch piece out of Mr. Phillips's burned hand. Yes. And it's nine minutes to midnight. And there are in the Watchmen comic book, it started at 12 minutes to midnight, and there were 12 issues of the comic. And this one is nine minutes to midnight, and there are nine episodes of this TV series.
1: Ah, uh-huh. so midnight will factor in again
4: a reckoning is coming trust me
2: so will is waiting for angela he broke out of the handcuffs he's making the hard-boiled eggs she accuses him of planting evidence will says i've got friends in high places conveniently timed phone call from the dna test reveals that will is her grandfather she arrests him and loads him into the car when an airship appears overhead and lifts her car with a giant tethered magnet as will smiles goodbye at her and the pamphlet comes falling down into her hands just like the opening so we've got symmetry between the opening and closing of all these episodes in just great ways the shocking exit whoa what an exit by will and just that smile is so great yes
0: so do we have like do you guys that have like um Background for Watchmen. Like, what is that contraption? Like, is that a thing in the in the in the book that like it's like a ship that just comes and like retrieves a person or something?
4: That could be another that could be another night owl type thing. Okay. Airships became economically
2: viable and became the standard for travel. Okay. So it kind of replaced planes and helicopters. I mean, the plane that the Seventh Cavalry used was obviously retro. Yeah. In the last episode. Right. Okay. So this is just It's not rare at all.
0: And do we think that the airship came for Will because she like tested his DNA. So now they like know where he is.
4: Um, I I actually I well, I know I think that it was all part of Will's plan and it was going to come no matter what.
0: Oh, okay. So he like he knew what was happening. I couldn't tell if that look that he gave Angela was like a look of knowing or like a look of just
4: like I don't know. It yeah. was a lot of unknowns. <laughs> I, I think he is old and in charge, and he knows exactly what he's doing. Okay. Yeah. I love I love that he says, I want to show you where you came from. And using my best Yoda voice, Anthony, there is another two descendants. <laughs> he has two That's true. Yeah, yeah. There's, so there's another relative of Angela and Will poking about that I hope we get to see. Yeah. Or it's the baby. Or it's the baby. But Wait, he's still- would-
1: baby we're going to get the
4: to baby it's still a baby <laughs> the baby is still a baby yeah. and then keeping keeping the theme of eggs that angela set up in the first episode we end with a beastie boys deep dive eggman oh, I love instead. eggman and it's like okay i am. Yeah, i was just i was sitting there just cheering at the tv i just thought it yeah. was so great
1: i was i thought that was a great moment too such a great song speaking of eggs just give me all the bacon and eggs you have wait wait i worry what you just heard was give me a lot of bacon and eggs what i said was give me all the bacon and eggs you have do these eggs
2: let's crack these eggs <laughs> the new frontiersman tearsman is owned by roger ales dad did you see that? Yeah. Where did you see
4: that? Cause that showed up in the pedopedia. Uh,
2: that must be where they got it from. I didn't see it in the episode itself.
4: Yeah. 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 Roger Ailes owns the new frontiersman. The version of Santa baby that
2: is playing during the white night is by Eartha Kitt, who played Catwoman.
4: Right. But that's the original version of Santa baby. Ah, that was, that's okay. who recorded the song originally. Now when it slowed down at the end, did you get that? Because it, Because it cut the power or was something else? I
0: was confused too, because it definitely did like, it got distorted, right? Yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure if like time was supposed to slow down.
2: Well, maybe that's what happened. Trent Reznor remix. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We've got Salvador Dali's The Persistence of Memory, a painting of a melting pocket watch that can be seen in Topher's room. One more clock reference. Yep. And another art painting reference. Yep. Yep rolf's dead body has only one boot just like judd so the floating wrestler Yep. okay miss crookshanks forgets one of her lines which is it's impenetrable as the gordian knot itself yep so like you said alexander the great solved the gordian knot gordian lock co is a locksmith company in the graphic novel yep that Keeps making locks that are not good enough to keep Rorschach out. Nothing's good enough to keep Rorschach out. And then there are Notice Gordy Mountains on Mars. Yep, yep, yep. In the alley behind Angela's bakery, you can see the same graffiti that the Not Top Gang and the Watchmen comic painted. It's a silhouette of two lovers intended to evoke the shadows burned into the walls of Hiroshima by the atomic bomb. You see this yep. for like
4: half a second. Yeah, that one went real fast. I had to go back and look at that one.
2: Yeah. And that's the way the comic works too, except you can stare at the comic as long as you want, which is an advantage for finding easter eggs like that. And then the newspaper that the boy is is hawking on the corner and the American Hero story is a reference to Orson Welles' War of the Worlds.
4: I thought that in the Greenwood Museum that one of the holograms was Will's dad, probably yes. That's what I thought. Okay. Yeah, which would make
2: sense because how many other soldiers came back to Tulsa, Oklahoma, and were there during the riots? You know.
4: My big questions that are still hanging over me, other than you know what the hell's going on with Judd, is I really want to figure out about how they say Doctor Manhattan can't look like us. I'm I'm wondering if that's really true. Um, Also, the the thing with the you know the reference to the Watchman clock and two minutes to midnight is also a reference to a end of the world clock that the nuclear scientists created in the nineteen forties, and it's a real it's a real thing. And there have only been two times in the history of that clock that it has ever gotten as close to midnight as two minutes to midnight. One was nineteen fifty three, after the Russians uh, announced that they had a hydrogen bomb. And the second one is now. There you go. On the nose, Damon Lindelof. So yeah, my biggest questions. What are Will's pills? Pills. That's why another Hooded Justice thing. Hooded Justice took pills to give him powers.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah.
4: Juicing. He's on the juice. Because I don't believe it's about memory. I don't believe that at all. That guy
2: was too sharp. Who are his friends? And is it the baby? (laughs) Uh, Who is the baby? And then could Will possibly be Hooded Justice? Yeah, that's that's uh that's what the this episode seemed to point to. That would be an interesting reversal because all the heroes in the Minutemen we believe are white.
4: Uh well we never oh. saw under Hooded Justice. Exactly, except for Hooded really? Justice.
2: Everybody else is white. So that would be a good way in. Like I, I just like the way that he's taking the margins of what we don't really know about the comic and presenting an interpretation of it while also doing something completely new.
0: I I think my biggest question was just sort of like I like the w- will, where did he go? What what was that? Like he's just getting airlifted somewhere off in into the distance and it's like you just had this moment of realization where you find out that that's like Angela's grandfather. So what a what a moment to make an exit.
2: Yeah, I loved when he said, when she says, "Why are you still here?" And he says, "We weren't done talking." <laughs> yeah,
0: I I really enjoyed their interaction. Yeah, because she's just like, w- you you left and came back. You're you're making a, yourself a snack. Like it's cute. Um, but yeah, I I'm really enjoying this show. It's I don't I'm this isn't a show that I probably like randomly just decide to watch. But like I'm I'm really enjoying it so far.
2: Yeah, I'm so impressed that it's it's working for. New viewers, yeah, yeah and a,
0: as like someone going in completely blind, like it's it's definitely working.
2: But it makes sense because it has the same type of world building that the original comic did, and the original it turns you into a fiend. You need to know,
0: yeah, and yeah. this kind of yeah. has
2: the same effect.
0: Oh, for sure. Every episode leaves me wanting more. Like I think we'll probably we will probably get into the binging versus not binging later at some point but i don't know i think this might be one of those shows that i wish i could have binged like, oh, it's like i'm yeah. just like inject it straight into my veins please like
4: more yeah well cheating and using imdb and looking at the character lists there's some really interesting things coming up um we get to meet the asian woman that i spoke about played by hong Chao, a lady named lady Chu, and right. we get to meet and we get to meet Lori Blake and Lady True comes up in the PDPedia. She's uh, she's an international industrialist. She's got tons of money and she's a woman of mystery. So I think she's going to come in very heavy. There is uh, a role that is not given a name played by an actress named Adelaide Clemens, who shows up next week and is in all seven remaining episodes. So there's a female character yet to come. That's going to be something really intense. Um, we are going to see the young boy, young Will, we're going to see him again. Um we're going to see Agent Petey, who writes the uh, the Petey-pedia. We're going to char- we're going to get a character named Marcus Abar, her dad. Yep,
2: that's my guess. Cuz that was the thing he, when he called and asked about her father in the first episode. Right. That was, that was right. a clue.
4: We are going to see Senator Keene senior. We are going to get yeah, a Rorschach guard—that fascinates me. No mention of a Rorschach, but there's a character named Radio Shock, which fascinates me. Um, you sure it's yeah. Radio Shack? Yeah, Radio Shack. But still, it still it's exists like, in this universe. Right. But okay. it's spelled That's like funny. Rorschach, is what
1: yeah.
4: I mean. <laughs> That's the joke. We're gonna get Mothman for one episode. That's it. So I'm just. There's no mention of Doctor Manhattan, obviously, and oh, no mention of Rorschach, okay. so. If they're smart, they don't bring him. If they're smart, they keep him out of this. I think it'd be way more effective if they just uh let these guys do the story and let it go where it where it goes. I need something. I, I have to
2: disagree. I need I need one moment. The unstuck in timeness and the way that
4: he doesn't have choice is fascinating. He also doesn't care about Earth or humans anymore. He is he is on to other things, so he's done. Is he? Well,
2: that's what he said. Is he on to other things, or was this just part of the plan? I want a piece
3: that's selfish. I know it doesn't fit. I know it's a different vibe, but I still want it. All right. All right, that is going to do it for us on another fantastic episode of the TV Book
2: Club, diving into Watchmen. Next week, I think we'll probably be able to get to the finale of The Deuce and Mr. Robot, but we will eagerly return to Tulsa. I wonder what Sarah the pharmacist is doing in this version of The Watchman Eden.
0: Yeah, I know. <laughs> How come we couldn't we couldn't get someone with boots on the ground to in Tulsa?
2: Yeah, oh, maybe she gave Will his pills.
0: <laughs> yeah, she definitely distributed them. It's her, you know, it's her job. So
2: we'll have to ask yes. her about that. As always, I'm Anthony Mays, Jake Hoy Eden Lou, Anthony K down the third, my father, Walter Mays. And we'll see you next week.